Hello, and welcome to In All Things, a podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a global movement of Evangelical Presbyterian churches. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. Our prayer is that God uses Dean and his guests to both inform and inspire you about how God is working in and through the EPC. The motto of our family of churches is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. Thank you, Rachel, as always, for that introduction, and welcome, everyone, back to another edition of In All Things, a podcast for the EPC, but we hope beginning to grow in popularity beyond the EPC and that you might be sharing this good news with others so that they too may join us in the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. In fact, that's our mission. The EPC's mission is to share the Great Commission of Jesus as uh, Reformed, Evangelical, Presbyterian, and missional believers. It's why we were created. It's why we were founded. It is our very purpose for being. In fact, if you're bored some night and you want to go back through all of the constitutional documents of our denomination, you'll find in our Book of Order, it is all throughout that uh, the purpose of a Board of Elders at a local session is to ensure the Great Commission occurs in a church. The purpose of a presbytery is to ensure that the churches in that presbytery are doing the Great Commission. The purpose of a general assembly is to ensure that the presbyteries are supporting the churches who are doing the Great Commission. Because we know the Great Commission is lived out at the local church level. It's not about a national body. It is about the, the mission of God being carried out by the church of God And the point of the spear of that mission is always the local church. And so we're grateful for you, grateful for you to be listening in, grateful for you to be a part of this ongoing conversation that we do. Uh, Every Friday, we drop a new edition of this podcast, and the word is spreading. We're we're getting close to 3,000 downloads at this point in time, and we hope that you'll be a part of sharing that good word with others and uh, spreading it on. So if you can like us on social, share it on your... um, Uh, different things you do online and get that word out to other people, we would be ever so deeply grateful for that. That helps us and it helps, uh, we think it helps the church. So thank you very much for that. Today, we pick up on a conversation that's actually an ongoing conversation. In fact, today we have our first return guest. I think our most popular downloaded podcast so far, and it was our first. And it was uh, a podcast where we brought on three members of what are the executive team of the NLT. And for those of you who are not acronym familiar, that's the national leadership team of the EPC. And uh, we meet four times together a year and help make sure that the business of the General Assembly is being carried out throughout the course of the year through the different courts of the church, through the different committees of the church, through the different leadership staff of the church. The NLT kind of oversees that process and makes sure the will of the General Assembly is being carried out in all those different uh, venues and activities. And we have a former moderator, a moderator and a moderator-elect who serve alongside of me as the stated clerk as kind of our executive team. And our first episode was introducing you to Glenn Myers, who at that point in time, and, and still at this point in time, now that I think about it, is the chair of our national leadership team, Rosemary Lukens, who is our moderator-elect, and Brad Strait, who is our current moderator. And of course, those things are, rotate every year, and Glenn will be uh, going off this year as our chair of the national leadership team. 
We have just concluded two days of our national leadership meeting. And we like to make hay while the sun shines, which means while the NLT is here, we, we tap a couple of them on the shoulder and say, hey, how about we get you on to a podcast and um, just kind of update people on the work of the of the national leadership team and introduce you to people because maybe everybody doesn't know. So today we are delighted, I'm delighted to welcome back to our podcast, Glenn Myers. Glenn is the commissioned pastor of the Ardera EPC Church uh, just outside of Pittsburgh on the East Hills, as we call it in Pittsburgh. And he's been that commissioned pastor now for about six or seven years. He has served on the national leadership team for about six years. He is a for the last three years, been on that executive team, has served as our moderator. He will be forever known as the singing moderator because if you were at our General Assembly at Second Presbyterian Church this last year, he not only preached an amazing sermon, but he sang as a part of that sermon and has a professionally trained, beautiful voice. Uh, was accompanied by his son Isaac on the piano. It was just one of the most moving moments of our General Assembly. This was his last time leading our national leadership team as our chairman. So, Glenn, welcome back to In All Things. Yeah, thanks, Dean. Happy to be back. It's great to have you back. Great to be with you always. So let's talk a little bit about your experience on the national leadership team. I, you described to me earlier an experience I think all of us had is that the first time we walk into the room and we stare at the people around the room, we all have the same thought that goes through our head. What is that common thought that we all have? what am I doing here? <laughs> That's exactly right. How did, how did I get here? Yeah. I remember my first time looking around the room going, Who's, whose horrible idea was it to invite me to be a part of this group? And, and we all come into it with that feeling of inadequacy. And yet we just finished our final meeting and I listened to the accolades of your colleagues around the room sharing what your leadership has meant to all of us. And you have to be in that place where you just say, I, I, I don't know that I feel worthy, but God has... Um, he has clearly exalted the humble, has done a, a marvelous thing. And, and that's your closing experience, right? Uh, it really is. I just feel so blessed to have served these six years alongside, like you said, some extraordinary people. Yeah. Uh, in addition to walking into the room, there was this opportunity to introduce, introduce ourselves with a, a written biography. And I was given some examples. And when I looked at the examples. I said, yeah, clearly someone has made a big mistake. They have no idea what I have to write down <laughs> and what I don't have to write down. But God encouraged me just just be very clear about how I got you to where you are right this minute and, and follow me to where we're headed next. And it was just, yeah, just an extraordinary experience. I tell people as they consider coming on the national leadership team, part of my pitch to them once they've been nominated and I try to talk them into possibly doing this, I tell them that they'll grow closer to Jesus because of this experience. Has that been true for you? And if so, how have you grown closer to the Savior as a result of having served on the national leadership team for the last six years and as the moderator and now chair of, of council. Is that, has that been your your case? And, and if so, how? It's definitely been my my experience. And it's it's been a collection of experiences. Some of that is being in the meetings. Others that is meeting the people that are around that table. And I'm just, I've just been so blessed by the giftedness and the truth of being saved for good works prepared ahead of time for us and to watch how God brings all that together. Just to be able to, to show me that in, in a very kind of measured way that has me understanding who he created me to be and what he has uh, for me to do. And so, again, 
grown close to the Savior in in a faith that now understands, oh, he really is working all things together for good in extraordinary ways that I could not have even imagined. Well, this morning in our devotions, you shared the story of Meshivatha. I never can pronounce that perfectly right the first time. It usually takes me two or three runs at that. Um, The story of David and this unusual person that he reaches out to and extends a grace-filled hospitality in the book of 2 Samuel. Could you tell us a summary of the story of David and Meshibbeth and and why you chose to share that this morning as your kind of closing word to the national leadership team? Yes, I was doing my devotionals. I actually opened with a passage uh, that's become a favorite. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. That's First John. Yeah. Uh, the reason the world does not know us is because it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God, and what we will be is yet to be revealed. And so... Was it, it the as yet to be revealed part that grabbed you there? Is that the hook? Yeah, it's incredibly exciting because I know what these last six or seven years have meant in my life. And in relating to the story of Mephibosheth, uh, he was living in obscurity, and David wanted to show kindness the kindness of God uh, to someone from the house of Saul for the sake of his, his good friend, Jonathan. And when he asked, um, Vibosheth was brought to his attention and he brought him in and he gave him a place around his table. And uh, if you know the story, of course, uh, you know that Vibosheth was lame in both feet and was a potential enemy to the throne because he was of the house of Saul. And I just recognize that all of that is true of all of us to some extent or another, there are things that disable us, that make us lame, especially in comparison to a holy God. And in addition to that, we have all been at enmity with God. He made the way that he can see us otherwise, but we've all been at enmity with God. And so when I recognize that I'm a a grandson of Adam and a a son of uh, Abraham, and I'm blessed through the blessing that he received to be a child of God now and to have that love lavished on me, it still is an extraordinary thing to me. So the way that relates to my experience on the national leadership team, of course, is feeling that unworthiness and that how did I get here? And then realizing that I, I really am around the table, one of the tables of my Lord. And he has many of these. And it's, a, it's a big table down the hall in <laughs> yeah. the boardroom of the Office of the General Assembly. So quite literally, we're all sitting around this big table as you're sharing this idea of being invited to the table picture of God's generous and gracious hospitality. And I always think of that parable where, you know, when you approach a table like that, you shouldn't say, well, I think I'll go out and sit at the head of the table. Yeah. You sort of walk into the room and go, what am I doing here? Yeah. And you sit over in the corner and then someone taps you on the shoulder and says, Glenn, uh, I'd like you to come up here and sit at the head of the table and actually chair this group, if you would. Yeah, extraordinary. And you've described it Exactly, because it has been in the course of no more than seven years. It's been within seven years. Before this, I worked with adults with mental disabilities, and I had my own business, uh, but my church was in need of someone to preach. And so as an elder of the church, I started preaching there less than seven years ago. They also needed some leadership, and so I wound up being that guy for a while. And so uh, not too far after that, God was doing extraordinary things with and for the church and giving us opportunities to grow and become vital again. And so if you're familiar with our Dara story, the church was recognized or God was recognized for what he was doing at the church with the Bartlett Hess Award. And on that award, it says lead elder. After being the lead elder for a little while, God had plans and I was commissioned as their pastor. 
And that was, again, less than six years ago. And then out of the blue, or I guess not out of the blue for, for God, but I got a call and was asked if I would be interested in serving on the national leadership team. And so that's how I got around that table specifically. And then it just continued. Again, I was asked if I would moderate the General Assembly. And I really felt plucked out of obscurity. And the, the pace of, of being where, where I find myself now from where I started having no idea what, what God was working on and what, what would happen, uh, it's just been a, a, a whirlwind blessing. And the things that he has shown me along the way and the people I've gotten to meet and work alongside and, and now consider brothers and colleagues and, and all by the grace of God and all by amazing. I would long for all of you who are listening in, you know, I'm thinking about you even now as you're driving down the road, tuning into this podcast, or maybe you're sitting with a cup of coffee in your living room and you have your scripture open and you're reading the story of Meshibbeth and you're thinking about Glenn. I wish all of you would have the opportunity to get to know him because your story, Glenn, is, it's a EPC story. It, it's a it's a snapshot of who we are and who we want to be and who God has made us to be and it's a picture of the Lord's sweet grace and uh, you you are an incarnation of that so it's a delight and you know I didn't know that when I first stepped into that room <laughs> but as I got to know each person around the room I just recognized how God's grace had brought them there yeah and it you, you never feel worthy but things start to make sense that. You are not too much unlike everyone else that's in this room that is so impressive and so gifted, but that gifting is by the grace of God, Mm -hmm. and this opportunity is by the grace of God. And here you are, and God's going to weave you into whatever he's working on here in this room, and you go, wow, that's that's just a blessing to see. So uh, the older I get, the singularly less impressed with myself I am. I know myself increasingly better as I get older. And, you know, Charlie Brown used to say, the more I learn, the more I learn, I have to learn. And the, uh, the older I get, the, the, the more I learn how much I need a Savior. I realize it daily. I look in the mirror and I see it's pretty close to exactly who I am. And I'm just not that impressed, to be quite frank. So as I've gotten older, Glenn, as a leader... One of the things that gives me the greatest delight is watching God uh, raise up people and that I have some small role in helping those people become the people that God had made them to be and watch them excel and watch them shine and watch them just flourish. I take more delight in that than I do almost any singular other thing. And I will say uh, watching you flourish over these last number of years has been it's just been an utter delight. So thank you for your service and thank you for your friendship and your willingness to come on a podcast a second time. So, <laughs> it's, well, let's turn the corner uh, from our, our mutual affection society here to <laughs> a little bit of a discussion about the NLT. There's some issues that we're wrestling with. Of course, we've come to a point of clarity and focus that there's really one big idea uh, for the EPC and that all of the things that we do, whether it's church planting or whether it's uh, church health, or whether it's a biblical leadership or you know world outreach, they all really support that one big idea. Can you talk about what that big idea is and why it's so seminal that the EPC really focus on it? Absolutely. It's right in our mission statement. We exist to carry out the Great Commission, and the Great Commission is all about sharing the love of Jesus and the opportunity of Jesus with other people, and that, of course, is best said with the word evangelism. 
And so everything else, like you said, all of the other strategic priorities that we are trying to frame, they come into alignment when we recognize it's all in the service of evangelism. It's all in the service of making sure everyone knows the name of Jesus, that he is lifted up so that they can be drawn to him. And we do that in a gracious and a loving way, unlike maybe maybe others, but we want to be so much better at that. We want to make sure that that is truly the direction in which we are all pulling. And so this coming General Assembly, I'm excited about some of the people we have coming to help equip us in that in that journey of becoming a more evangelistic denomination, more evangelistic cultures in our churches, doing evangelism more. You know, we have guys like Vincent Baycoat and Sandy Wilson who are going to come and help us sort of exegete the time in which we live. And so we know how to live as faithful Christian citizens because with such polarity out there in terms of Democrats and Republicans and Christians lining up in both camps and shouting at each other. How do we do this differently? And I think the EPC has a different culture than that. I think we have a capacity for that. But that's going to really kind of create a context. But we really have these two amazing speakers in Ed Stetzer and Jimmy Scroggins coming in to really – Uh, in one of our main sessions to focus on this idea of an evangelistic culture and, and leading up to the EPC creating a tool for evangelism. So we're not just talking about it. We actually are producing a tool and people are starting to use this tool already and we're hearing good reports. Could you talk about that tool a little bit and what your hopes and dreams and expectations are for that? I'd really love to talk about that tool Uh, because as a small church pastor, Uh, who are trying to lead uh, by example and teach uh, my folks what it is to share their faith. This tool is so simple. It's referred to uh, as the three circles. And uh, just the use of it is so easy to use and to teach. And once it's taught, once you've had a couple experiences with it, you'll see that people really respond to it. Uh, the three circles, if I could just real quickly, yeah, uh, there's please. a circle that's the circle of brokenness, and you recognize that that's where we meet most people. Uh, in a broken world, in a fallen world, everyone is suffering, and they can relate to that circle of brokenness. And then you talk to them about the fact that they can feel that brokenness because there is an original design by God. And that original design, uh, the disparity between the two of those, is why you can feel that brokenness and how we got from God's original design, which he declared to be good, to where we are in these feelings of brokenness is through our sin. And people can relate to that, that they don't push back from that too much. And then you go through the idea that uh, there's any number of ways people try to escape the feeling of that brokenness. And it may be addiction, it may be any other number of things. They may think that they can buy their way out or or work their way out or self-righteousness or whatever. But in reality, the solution for the feeling of that brokenness and that actual brokenness is the cross of Jesus Christ. And then you bring people down to the third circle, which is the provision of the Savior for them and the good news of the gospel. And it is truly good news. And there should be no problem sharing that in love with anybody to have them see this is, this is good news. God has a way. And that Jesus is that way, who came and died for us to pay the debt for our sin uh, so that we can be redeemed. And what that does is put us back on the path to restoration, recovery. And we're headed back towards that original design. And that's, it's as simple as that. And as Christians, that's what we're living. And if we can use this tool to very simply, you can draw it on a napkin, you can give it to somebody, you've made your own track. It's, it's really simple. And you ask them, where do you see yourself in this? And I can tell you, I've taught my youth group uh, using this tool. And the second week, they were able to teach the kids who weren't there 
because it's just that simple. And we heard a story, at, even at our meeting this week, that our own moderator, Brad Strait from Cherry Creek Presbyterian Church, took this back and taught his elders this tool. And within the next week, he heard stories of eight people who had come to faith in Christ. Yeah. Like, you know, that's putting the E back in EPC right oh, there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just awesome stuff. And, you know, while it's a simple tool, and that's the beauty of it, is that anybody can share it. It's conversational. It's relational. Yeah. It's, it's really not that complicated. It has underneath it a very rich and solid theological basis uh, for those of us in uh, who think in terms of a biblical worldview the flow is creation fall redemption restoration those those that's underneath these three circles but you know if i sat down with somebody at a coffee shop and said let me tell you about creation fall redemption restoration as the flow of biblical history you know their their eyes glaze over you but if you're talking to your coworker and you say well you know uh, i get understanding of that brokenness because i've been in brokenness too and you know actually there's i can help you make sense of that brokenness and and there's actually you don't have to stay there and there's more to the story if you'd like me to share it with you you know yeah that's awesome well just recently in light of this priority this commitment this kind of first order of business in the epc being evangelism uh, you and i had the chance to travel together to um West African country of Sierra Leone, where we have a, uh, a partnership uh, with a denomination there called the EPC of Sierra Leone, go figure, and, uh, and a ministry there called Edunations, which is one of the partner ministries uh, for the EPC and our world outreach. Uh, we're working specifically with a couple of unreached people groups there, the Karanko tribe in one district and the Susu tribe in another tribal area of the country. And you got the chance to see that firsthand. And you got the chance to do something that not too many people, not too many pastors in the United States get to do. Um, You got the chance to go into a couple of rivers while we were in Sierra Leone alongside of our, our EPC pastor brothers in Sierra Leone and participate in about 100 baptisms of Muslims who have now come to faith in Christ and are part of the EPC of Sierra Leone. Will you tell our listeners a little bit about what that experience was like? I hope I can represent it well. Um, (laughs) It has completely reordered my heart. It changes how I understand uh, the outreach of of evangelism and the gospel globally. I think what you said to me before is it wrecked you completely. Yeah, yeah, it really did. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to figure out how, yeah, what God's asking of me in light of all that he has shown me. I watched him so 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 graciously prepare me to see what I would see. And then when I got there, Africa in and of itself, but then the ministry of Nations and the church there, uh, again, it has just reordered my heart that the love of God is transforming lives there in a predominantly Muslim country. And we weren't in, in the cities. We were out in the villages. And so they're even... Uh, more culturally Muslim. And you've, uh, you've never traveled to Israel before, right? I've never traveled to so Israel. So the thing that if you get to travel to Israel, you'll pick up on is Jesus spent most of his time in the villages, yeah. very little time in the city. Yeah. And what's fascinating is that we spent some time in the city, but as soon as you get out to the villages, you feel like you're in the book of Acts. You yeah. know, you feel like this is real. Yeah. And that's I, I got to wonder, if isn't that why Jesus hung out there so much? It had to be. Uh, the, the Spirit has opportunity there that probably doesn't have in the cities. <laughs> That's right. And we watched that at work. The commitment of Edge Nations over time to be in those villages, 
means that they have a reputation in those villages for years upon years of loving the people in those villages and providing opportunities for them. And then out of that grows a worshiping community because they're hiring Christian teachers. And those those worshiping communities then need place to worship in a church to be built. Okay, so now that's partly where you got wrecked because yeah. we were in one of those communities. You know, when Jesus said, go to the ends of the earth, he had the village of Beni Koro in mind. It was among the unreached people group called the Karanko tribe. And we're out there, and it's the last of the communities where we are in Sierra Leone that does not have a church building. And God did something in your heart. Yeah, yeah, he was very pointed in several different ways, as only God can be. And he put that village and those people on my heart. That was one of the places where we did a significant number of baptisms in the river. And as I'm holding my hand out to welcome them into the water, and as their pastor who's prepared them for this moment uh, says their name, and their names are traditional Muslim names, I try to get my, my mind and my, my mouth around those words, and then I baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they come up out of the water. And uh, Gabriel helps them out of the water with the idea that they're a new creation in Christ. Uh, welcome they to the belong family. to Jesus. Belong to Jesus. And the question I get to ask is, do you believe in Jesus? And they say, yes, sir. And they are very eager to be baptized. And so there is a worshiping community there. But like you said, uh, it's the last village that doesn't yet have a church. And I felt God really clearly saying, I would like you to help build a church here. I'd like to help have you help raise the money to build so a church here. So how big is the Ardera APC church? Well, it's... We're, we're kind of a tiny little church. We worship anywhere between 60 and 70 on a Sunday okay. uh, with rolls of 130 or something. But like what that. is Ardera going to do in response to this story that you brought back to them? Well, I was, they were all, they're pretty eager. They were praying for you. They were excited for right. you. I mean, I think you were, you weren't just going for yourself. You were going for those 120 people. You came back and shared the story. And now what is the response of the Ardera EPC church? Oh, that's very true. I, I felt, I had permission to do this because our ministry and mission committee said, literally said, take a picture of a piece of land or someplace where they'd like to do something. And I, I, I took them seriously. So I came back with the news that this village needs a church. And I was worried they were going to say, uh, yeah, you're crazy. That's, that's not something we can really commit to doing. But God put it on the hearts of several of the leaders around me. And they are as passionate as excited about it as I am. And I'm just sure God's going to do it. He's going to provide. Our hope is that over the course of the rainy season, which runs, runs from May to November, that we will be able to raise the, the full amount and send it for that church to start to be built. So the Ardera EPC Church is going to undertake a capital campaign, yes. not for themselves, but for the Beni Koro EPC Church, so that this 120-member church in, in western Pennsylvania can partner with and build a building for a growing, budding EPC church in this remote Karanko village in the northern eastern bush of Sierra Leone. They are. And and it, you say that almost like it's kind of ironic, but what I recognize is our people have so much love for the place where they worship, and it's meant so much in their lives. And when they see that there's a, a worshiping community that doesn't understand, they don't have that, it starts to make more sense. A place where we'll come together to love Jesus and to love one another, and uh, yeah, so I'm I'm blessed to be part of a community that sees that need and is wants wants to help. So um, it's it's kind of sad and pathetic that I'm going to do this, but I have to make a little item of business out of this at the very end. 
I, I want our listeners to know, and I, again, I hope that you'll share this with others because, you know, we're the EPC, right? We're, we're, we should be the evangelistic Presbyterian church, the, the evangelism Presbyterian church. That's, that's our core documents. That's our founding. It's our reason for being. It's at the beginning of our mission statement. That should animate everything we are. It's all about the Great Commission. Come on, people. Here we go. And you hear um, a pastor of ours uh, from a small church in a small town who has been called out like Meshibbeth to step up in leadership and what God has done through this person and through this church. And we're seeing people come to Christ and we're seeing it at the ends of the earth and we're seeing it in our own communities. And that's what we were called to do. And I can't help but connecting the dots here, Glenn, and say that that's because many of our congregations have given generously to the EPC. Like the trip that you and I went on is paid for through what we currently call the per member askings. Those, that goes to support the, the travel budget for the moderator and for the stated clerk and things like that. Two members of World Outreach, Gabriel DeGia, our executive director, Jason Dunn, our associate director, they also came on the trip with us to see firsthand what took place there and what the God is doing there. And 20% of every dollar that someone gives to the EPC goes to World Outreach. And so they wouldn't have been on that trip apart from people's generosity. You and I wouldn't have been on that trip apart from people's generosity. And, and, you know, I think sometimes people see the Remember Asking and we're getting ready to ask people to consider a new way of supporting the denomination called percentage of income. And we'll talk more about that in the days getting closer to General Assembly. But that level of participation is really an investment in the, the growth of the kingdom, right? It's, it's not just some bureaucratic institutional support that is like, oh, we're paying for the light bills, which got to be paid by the way. But this is kingdom stuff, right? Can you tell people who are listening that their giving to an investment in the EPC is actually worth it? Oh, it's absolutely worth it. And, and I, I think I heard you say it, it may get measured in, in dollars, but in reality, we're talking about people's eternal lives. Right. And I was there and watched the impact right. of the giving that you're talking about. And, and that, means, that means all of our churches are engaged with one another to be engaged in the mission that is evangelism. And again, to be baptizing uh, new believers in Sierra Leone, Africa. I wasn't just there having the experience for myself. I had that experience for my church and was able to take it back to them. And I wish everyone could be as blessed as I've been to, to be there. Uh, after doing those baptisms, this is very specifically how Dean wrecked me and changed me. <laughs> We're in the car, and his timing is perfect. And he reminds me of the Great Commission. And he says, therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and I will be with you even to the end of the age or the end of the earth. And... And to hear that spoken to me, over me, after that experience, I will never see that Great Commission the same way. And You used to read that in black and white, and now you read it in color. Absolutely. And I read it in color here in the United States now. Right. And so that evangelism, that heart for that, love to have a regular opportunity to be doing that in our church. I want to build a baptismal font. In order to get ready. <laughs> well, I, I, you are such brilliant. 
a choice for us uh, to have our first repeat person on in all things because you've been so articulate, Glenn. What you have shared from your heart is just absolutely so close to the heart of God and so precious. So I just want to thank you and uh, ask, do you have any final words of encouragement? Here you are on your final meeting of the NLT, uh, although you've got more work to do for us down the road. We've got some stuff that you're going to be hopefully working on with us. Glenn is going to be representing the EPC to the Presbyterian Church of Brazil at their General Assembly this summer. He's going to come back in August and help us on our NLT retreat for some stuff, and there may be some other things in the works that you help us out with. So I don't think your service to the EPC is done, but this is your final NLT meeting as chair. Do you have any kind of closing comments that you'd like to share with the folks who are listening? As you ask that question, what comes to mind for me is just trust what God is unfolding and be willing to step into it. And he will bring out of you the gifts that he has put into you that we've been saved for good works prepared ahead of time. And that looks different for every person, but his plan is perfect and good. And his plan is to prosper and to show you things about his love and how it operates in the world that will inspire you to live different daily. And no, no matter what your role is, no matter where you're, where you're serving him or loving him, trusting in his plan and allowing that to unfold in you uh, and, and allow yourself to be encouraged by the people he puts you with, because that's been a real blessing to me over the course of these six years. Amen. Thanks brother. You. Well, my friends, let's close with this good word from God's word because it really does capture everything that we have been talking about here and that we always talk about in this venue. It's from Colossians 1, verses 15 through 18. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible whether they're thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, for he is the head of the body, the church. In the essentials, unity, my friends, and the non-essentials, liberty. But remember, in all things, love. Until the next time, this is Dean Weaver, privileged to serve as your stated clerk, wishing grace and peace to you in our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.